G'day, welcome to On The Road, the number one Australian trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're an independent voice in Australian trucking and proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Show 144. We've got a big one for you this week. Andy's got James Keith for a, a, an interview. We're going to play a couple of his tracks. Obviously got the news and all the other usual features. Bob McMillan in with something to talk about. I've got Rod Hanapy for a bit of a long conversation at the end of the news where we talk about current affairs. We cover a little bit of ground there. It's uh, a big show, so let's go. G'day guys, how you going? As you know, the Trucking Life magazine is back and it's going to be available at the Casino Truck Show. But if you're not going to be there, the best way to get it is to get your yearly subscription and you'll get four magazines throughout the year, quarterly, delivered to your doorstep. Absolutely action-packed with articles, new riders, some of the old that you probably remember from years ago, old trucks, new trucks, Big posters in the middle. There's got to be heaps. So jump over, get your yearly subscription for just 60 bucks, and that's four magazines throughout the year. Otherwise, we'll see you at the Casino Truck Show for our first read. Oh, yeah, I nearly forgot. Head over to truckinglife.net.au. Don't miss out. Let's get this show on the road. Yes, get on with it. G'day, Andy here once again, putting one of our immensely talented Aussie musicians under the spotlight. This week, we're catching up with a bloke we haven't spoken to for a while, and we figured it was about time we gave him a call. He's a driven and determined bloke with a passion for music, footy and winemaking. Now, that's certainly a creative mix. A professional rugby league player for 11 years, however, when it came time to hang up his boots, he decided the next step in his career was to pursue his love of creating music, and so he set out on the journey of becoming a singer-songwriter. Alongside his growing music career, he and his four brothers transformed their family farm into the now-famous Mortimers of Orange Vineyard. Yes, he's a member of the legendary NRL-playing Mortimer family. And we were fortunate to hear a sneak preview of the title track taken from the album last time we spoke. This time we'll be playing the second track from the album called No Hero, which was just released this past week. In the video created for the song, it depicts the storyline of himself as a young bloke following his dream of one day being on stage, playing to an appreciative crowd of adoring fans. In the video, as a bonus, he's joined by his own son, Finney. He's toured extensively, including a show where he was the opening act for John Stevens of Noiseworks fame. His music is infectious, joyous and full of positivity, and it's our pleasure once more to catch up with Mr James Keith. G'day James, it's been a while since we last caught up and I thought it was about time we had another chat to find out what you've been up to since then, so welcome back to the show. G'day Andy mate, thanks for having me back on, it's, it's great to have a chat with you again mate. Now, we've got to address the elephant in the room, so we can bypass the rugby league chat this time, I think. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a chance you might ask me how my beloved Dragons are doing, and that could be a bit awkward. <laughs> About as good as my Bulldogs, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah. But just quickly, your tip for who you think could take out the premiership this year? Oh, look, I think South will get it. Yep. Yeah, they've got too many big players in key positions. So, yeah, not that I'm a South fan by any means, but I think South will get it. Yeah. Now, one of your blokes had a bit of an issue on field last weekend. Is he all right? 
Um, yeah, he is. Oh, that's, that's rugby league, though. That's, that's how it goes. It's, it's a brutal sport. That's what happens. Yeah. Well, as a rugby league fan all my life, seeing the way both teams sort of huddled around him and gave him some protection and a bit of shielding, it was just good to see. Yeah, it, it really is. Like People forget. I mean, it's just such a brutal sport. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all mates and everyone's there to look after each other. So, yeah, while it was sort of scary to see it, so, as I said, the rugby league community is a good one and you never want to see someone get injured, but yeah. when they do, people rally around them, so it's, it's good to see. Yeah, it is, mate. And obviously after your 11-odd years in there, you, you did well. You came out with your brain still intact and all your boyish good looks still happening. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the body's hurting a little bit. But yeah, look, I loved it. You know, it taught me a lot of good life lessons playing rugby league, but I'm certainly feeling it a bit now. <laughs> yeah. And just before we leave the subject, what about the state of origin kicking off next week? What's your crystal ball telling you who's likely to come out on top in 23? Look, I'm a huge Blues supporter, so, but I just think we've got the front row and then obviously the back line, you know, the back five are just outstanding for New South Wales. So I really think we should get it, but we, we should have won it last year as well. So you just you never can write off Queensland. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, another year under you know, Nathan Cleary's belt and a few others, I think we're going to get it this year. Yeah, well, I've been living in Brisbane half my life now, but I'm still blue to the core, so good to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> it's an exciting time of year, though, isn't it? Oh, it is. It gives us all something to talk about and get excited about, so yeah, can't wait for Origin. Yeah, it gives my wife and I something to argue about. She follows <laughs> the Maroons, I think, just to annoy me, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now, I'm not sure why, but last time we caught up, we didn't talk about the Mortimers of Orange Vineyard. Time for a shameless plug, mate. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, I mean, one of five boys, Dad wanted to bring us up in the country. Hmm. So, yeah, bought 40 acres just north of Orange and thought, what am I going to do with my boys? So, so put us to work. We planted a vineyard, and that was in 1995. Yep. And, you know, 20-odd years later, it's winning awards, and Dad got Best Shiraz in New South Wales last year, which is really good. Fantastic. So it's a lovely family business. Yeah. Yeah, just north of Orange. My brother Daniel, he kind of helps Dad run it now, which is really good. But yeah, we, we literally built it from scratch and it's a great place to go and visit Orange as a general. But if you do get time, go and pop out and see you know, Dale Daniel because it's a great little family vineyard and some beautiful wines in Orange too. Cool climate. Oh, yeah. You know, great soil. So it's a great thing to be a part of. I might have to take a day trip down with the ute, mate, and stock it up. Yeah. <laughs> you might be able to drive home, though. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now, last time we spoke, you introduced our listeners to Life is Good Today, which went down very well. Yep. However, you just released a new single also taken from the album, and we'll be playing that shortly. Before we do, what's the story and the inspiration behind the new track, No Hero? So No Hero, she was a part song about 2010. One of my best friends, Kyle Pierce, who's a great songwriter, hmm. showed me this song, and we were sitting at a Matchbox 20 concert in the Hunter Valley, and just before they came on, he just showed me this track, and Straight away, I fell in love with the guitar riff and just the, the, the vibe of the song. Mm. And then, you know, literally 11, 12 years later, when I was writing my album, I gave Cole a call and I said, mate, remember that song you showed me, No Hero? I said, have you done anything with it? He goes, no, no, I never liked the way it turned out or whatever. So I just said, well, look, mate, do you mind if I have a crack at it? Mm. He's like, yeah, no worries at all. So I was really nervous, but pretty much rewrote the whole song, you know, new lyrics and, and made it a country song. and put a new chorus and solo and stuff in there, but I was pretty nervous when I showed him again, but he wrote back and goes, mate, I love it. Yeah. So we put it together. So the story behind the song is basically, I, I like to put good messages in my songs. Yes. So this one's about chasing your dreams. Yeah. And really kind of cool video to go with this one as well. It's basically like a, a young bloke in his room. I actually use my son. I was going to say, and you use your young bloke to play you. Yeah, it's my young son, Finn, who's three years old, so 
jumping around in his bedroom, you know, which is what I used to do as a kid. And then later in the song goes to me playing on stage in Manly. So, yeah, it's a cool video to bring this one to life. Yeah. Well, and I guess Finney will start getting off as soon from home and away and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he's the king of preschool at the moment. <laughs> oh, <bet. laughs> he's a little rock star. Oh, bet. Mate, what lies ahead for you throughout the rest of 2023? Any secrets you can let us in on? Yeah, yeah. So the good thing is I've got an album up my sleeve. Yeah. So just doing song by song at the moment, just to kind of get my name out there. But I've got some really cool shows sort of coming up in August. Another song coming out in September. Then I'll drop the album probably just after Tamworth next year. Yep. It's already finished, but we're just kind of tweaking the sound a little bit and getting it mastered in Nashville with Billy Decker. So, yeah, look, we're really excited about what's to come and the whole year's kind of planned. And then I'm already writing my second album as well. So, Great. Yeah, just really got the good vibe at the moment just to keep writing and collaborating and kind of getting my name out there, which is really exciting. Yeah, for sure. Now, just to remind our listeners as to how they can find out about any upcoming shows and news, where do they go to get all that info again, mate? Yeah, so if you follow my socials, which is just jameskeith.au, and I've got a website too, which is www.jameskeith.au. So, yeah, I'm always putting up content and shows and material, which is really cool. So come along and give us a follow because I love creating music. You know, music makes me so happy and I love expressing that on stage and having a good time. And I try and write my music like that so people can have a good time as well. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, mate, you're known for your positivity and the joy in your music and that certainly seems to keep going, which is great. Yeah, music makes me feel alive. You know, I love going to concerts. I love, I love going to live shows and supporting acts and yeah. you know, supporting other artists too, which is cool. So if you come to one of my shows, I guarantee you'll have a good time. Oh, look, I will do that. Make sure you've got a case of something nice in the boot for me too. <laughs> yeah, I always carry a case of wine around. It's a, it's a great gift idea too. <laughs> I'll bet. Our guest this week has been the hardworking muso, rugby league legend and all-round top bloke, James Keith. James, thanks a bunch for bravely stepping up to the plate for a second time with us here on the road. No, well, good evening, mate. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, mate. And thanks for the support. Always. Now we've talked about it, so it's time to hear it. Would you please introduce your new single for us? Sure can. I'm James Keith, and this is my new song, No Hero. I can feel it in my soul. I feel it when the wind blows. I feel it in my toes and my nose. I feel it in the air that I breathe. This oxygen is free. So come and suck it in with me. I'm waiting on the world to see So just breathe patiently And the world will see that I'm on your side Come feel alive with me tonight So let the music pull you in and move your body to the trumpet That beer chasing whiskey shots waking up with sore feet Singing to a sea of stars, I see you smiling at me. It's something in the air, man, it's different in the country. You can feel it from the inside. I see it in the light 
I know that when the time is right, I'm gonna make my way to the neon lights. Hold on tight for the ride. Come feel alive with me tonight. So let the music pull you in and move your body to the drum beat. That beer chasing whiskey shots, waking up with sore feet. Singing to a sea of stars to see you smiling at me. It's something in the air, man, it's different in the country. devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Here on the road, it's time for the news. G'day, Mike. Truck show done and dusted. Your way with two sorted. We can get back to the news again. Well, we nearly can, mate. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's been a bit of a, a couple of trying couple of weeks, really. It's been a bit on, a bit of you know, a few few health issues, but we're fine. How are you, mate? You going good? Yeah, more or less. I this getting old business is not what I had planned. I can tell you. <laughs> we don't bounce as well as we used to, do we, mate? Oh, mate. I was thinking about how much my advancing years was affecting my life from day to day. Mm. I mean. My eyesight's gotten so bad I can hardly see. Right. My, my hearing shot, people have to yell at me before I can hear them. <laughs> the arthritis is getting so bad I can barely walk, and I often just fall asleep on the spot without even war- any warning whatsoever. Wow, really? Yeah, looking on the bright side, though, at least I can still drive sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, really? Okay. Uh, uh, uh. So have we got any news we're not talking about, Mike? 
Well, we've got a heap of news we're not talking about. Uh, yeah. Look, the ATA are pushing back on the Fair Work Commission's regulation proposal. Some yeah. reason or another, the ATA think that the Fair Work Commission want to start setting safe rates. They couldn't be more wrong, but we're not going to talk about that. No. Uh, the HVIA was weigh, weighs in on the truck with debate, saying the NHVR risks causing more confusion within the industry. Mm-hmm. When has that never been the case? I think that's part of their job description for the NHVR, cause a little bit of confusion within the industry. Oh, absolutely. Mate, there's a bit of a thing going on over in Western Australia. They've passed some laws there to protect owner-drivers, uh, which mm-hmm. probably would bear looking at if in the rest of the country. AirTech have launched their new AXS Smart System. Arrow Transport have explored Daimler's offerings. There's a whole heap of stuff going on out there, so just get your way around the trucking media and have a bit of a look. There's more going on than what we talk about here. Of course, we don't talk about it news sort of way. We just opinionate on the news, so you know, yeah. <laughs> feel free to do your own thing and have a bit of a look around. There's a bit going on. Yeah, there is. Mate, this whole, anything that's called smart worries me, you know. Does it? Yeah. You know, the smart cars and smart phones and mm. smart everything else. I mean, you know, at one stage I think they had number plates in Queensland was the smart state. I mean, hello. <laughs> <laughs> really? Queenslander! <laughs> When's that going to start? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Before I get throttled by Queenslanders, into the news, mate. Into the news. Earlier this week, a truck triggered the sensors on the southbound lanes of the Warringah Freeway at the approach to the Sydney Harbour Tunnel, causing delays for commuters. Ironic, given we're in the middle of an overhyped truck blitz in New South Wales. Yeah, look, if you get a chance to have a look at the uh, the picture of this truck, you can see that the thing has had a little bit of an incident at the very back of the trailer. Mm. There's a little bit of metal sticking up from the back of it. So ordinarily, this truck would fit under there quite nicely, but this little bit of metal has set the laser eye off, and the driver's done the right thing and stopped. And, um, you know, he's been caught up in this whole thing. Now, the fines for going into these tunnels is monstrous. Now, I won't say that this bloke might not have done some damage inside the tunnel with that bit of strip sitting up, but surely Mm. the answer to that would have been to just... You know, somehow or another, get a ladder, get up there and pull the strip down and, and let the guy proceed on his way. It's not obviously something that's intentional. It's not, you know, he may not have even known that was the case. Although, from the look of the photo and the look of the age of the truck, maybe that's been like that for a little while. I don't know. What if he stuck a supercar wing or something on the back of it just to keep him grounded at high speeds? <laughs> it looks a bit that way, doesn't it? <laughs> but, you know, at least the guy pulled up, you know. Some of these yeah, clowns but- don't pull up. No. You want to know what the worst part about all this is with these overheight trucks and all that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. There's nowhere to get off. The signs aren't far enough back. You know, you've got no chance. Once you once you get to the situation where you've set the lights off, and it's like it in a lot of places around Australia, there are a number of places like Bingara Gorge, for example. We always carry on about, uh, not Bingara Gorge, the gorge out near Wilton anyway. Trucks get into these situations and they've got nowhere. By the time they realise that they're in trouble, they've got nowhere to go to turn around or escape. There's no escape route for them. And it just seems to me that sometimes a little bit of thought from the road maintenance authorities or the road engineers to give these overheight or overlength vehicles when they go into these gorges and that a chance to escape, 
that might mm. be a smart way to deal with it. Rather than this punitive rubbish that they're doing all the time, finding blokes like absolute squillions of dollars and disrupting everyone's lives. If this bloke had had a chance to, to escape, he would have, I think, given the fact that yeah. he stopped. You know what I mean? I do. Playing the devil's advocate, of course, their argument is if people put a little bit more thought into knowing what their height is. Mm. Well, but, look, that's yeah. true. Absolutely true. <laughs> I've got no argument with that. You know, know your truck and height. And, mm. and as our mates at Queensland Rail say, size does matter. Know your truck and yes. height. But yes. the reality of it is, if you look at this guy, he looks to me like he's been genuinely caught in a situation where that metal strip across the top's come unglued or whatever. It may not have even been something he noticed. I mean, do we punish people for being stupid? Should we? <laughs> Probably. Probably. Yeah, jails would be full if we did. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't. I don't know the whole story. They need some bloody great big cranes, mate, like they have at the Formula One. You know, they just you know, <laughs> just, just, just lift them out of the road. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah that'll, work. that'll do it. That wouldn't wouldn't cost much. No, <laughs> no. a couple of escape roads might be a bit handy. That's all I can say. Agreed. Still on the subject of the Sydney Harbour Tunnel, mate, Road Freight New South Wales has stated that banning large trucks from the tunnel would do more harm than good. That's a big call. Banning trucks, that's a big call and that's stupid. Hmm. You know, we, we carry on about you know trucks being in, allowed in and out of the city and, and it's the same all over Australia. It's this nimbyism stuff, you know, not in my backyard, mate, you know. We want hmm. all the stuff that's carried by trucks, but we don't want the trucks. If you don't want the trucks, stop ordering shit. It's quite simple, you know. No reinvention of the wheel. <laughs> no, look, yeah. these trail, th- these heights and things like that, everyone knows what they are. And look, certainly when someone does do the wrong thing, they deserve to get a slap on the back of the hand. There's no doubt about that. Oh, for sure. But the truck-triggered sensors are, are there for a reason. That They're there to protect the infrastructure and to stop worse things from happening. And believe me, if the biggest problem you've got in your life is being held up for half an hour in the traffic because a truck's triggered a sensor, mate, you've got a pretty good life. Let's face it, you're in a capital city in in a country of Australia. You should expect that there might be a little bit of traffic. It's not rocket science. You know what would go a long way to fixing the problems of the trucks in the city? And this is going to hurt because there are people that are not going to agree with me here. Oh, good. Okay. If we had times where the trucks could go into the city like allocated times and like night time for example and do their deliveries it might cost a little bit more money to do it but you wouldn't end up with the traffic problems and the truckies would like it too because the idiots driving the cars wouldn't be on the road yeah they'd be tucked home in bed and then we would be out of sight and out of mind wouldn't we wouldn't we mm-hmm. i mean you can't just Stop the trucks using the Sydney Tunnel. It's ridiculous. There are curfews now. You can't take a dangerous load of dangerous goods over the over the Harbour Bridge at certain times. You can't even take a load of dangerous goods through a tunnel because for some reason they think the fire suppression systems aren't good enough. So, you know, that's that's the just the way it goes. We need to have a little bit more think about it. As an industry, we're still recovering from all sorts of things, not least of which the damage that was done to us by COVID. Yeah. We, can't comp- we can't compromise on freight operations around New South Wales. Selectively banning some vehicles from our roads, well, we're good at it, but it's just a knee-jerk reaction. Simon yeah. O'Hara from Road Freight New South Wales believe we still require greater public awareness. And he's in disbelief because Road Freight New South Wales is a member of the uh, Business Sydney group, and they're disappointed they could make 
such an ill-conceived comment without even reaching out to the Road Freight New South Wales for, for an opinion or a comment. What? It's ridiculous. You know, these people running around, no idea what it takes to run a truck, mouthing off and wanting things to happen without any real concern for what the ongoing effects are. True enough. Nothing new. Off me bike now, mate. Well, you can get back on it again, mate. A truckie's been fined $20,000 for two critical risk breaches mm. under the Heavy Vehicle National Law for working 19 and a half hours over a 24-hour period. He wasn't having a go, was he? <laughs> <laughs> what did we say before? That's about a, That's nearly a day's pay for a truckie. Nearly. Close to it. <laughs> oh, Jesus, 20000 bucks. Yeah. Let's let that sink in. Twenty. Thousand dollars for a uh, entries in a logbook. I'm still trying, having trouble coming to groups and actually being awake for nineteen and a half hours in one twenty-four hour period. Oh, well, some of us used to do that sort of stuff. Some of us used to go work all day on a Friday, party all day all night on a Saturday night, and then go and do crap on Saturday. I mean, once upon a time we could do it quite easily. Yeah. As a registered nurse, mate, there were more than once. I've spent, I've spent uh, 16, 18 hours at an operating table scrub for a procedure. Mm. You know, someone's you know, just messing around inside someone's body. Nothing important. Nah. You know? What I don't understand about this, you know, they've taken two bites of the cherry with this guy. So this guy's been fined twice for the same offence. Yeah. Once for incorrect entries in his logbook and once... Well, once for the entries in his logbook and once for not taking the breaks. You can't do the same thing twice. No, it's same horse, different name. Well, it's just, to me, excuse me, NHVR, this is bullshit. This mm. is absolute bullshit. And the size of the fines, I mean, what what are we going to do with this? I mean, how, we talk about recruitment and retention, retention, getting our drivers to stay in the industry. If you can get that sort of a fine... Why would you stay? And to be perfectly blunt, there are some people around that do that sort of thing all the time. What about the guys that are driving taxis or courier trucks or something during the day mm. and then jumping mm. in the truck and doing a changeover at night? Yeah. You know, let's, let's slip one down to Tarkata and back. You know, this selective punishment, it, it, it just it beggars belief. They, uh, they report that the driver's longest break was like one and a half hours or something. I mean, take your rest breaks, it's not worth the risk. The NHBR are always looking at your book. Is someone going to drive into Maroolan with his book that bad while he knows about it, do you think? Well, he could have been asleep at the time. Well, he could have been asleep at the time. Mate, yeah. if my book even ends up with a half an hour error in it back when I go and have a look when I was running a paper book, this is, and you know, <clears> sue me if you like NHBR, but I've lost one because I looked back and found a couple of mistakes in it that weren't mistakes in, they were, they were mistakes in bookkeeping. They weren't mistakes in what I was doing. Yeah. And I can't believe um, that this sort of thing still goes on. I mean, this is a perfect example of why electronic logbooks are a good idea, because this sort of crap can't happen to you. Yes. But having said that, where is the justification for finding an individual poor buddy busted-ass truck driver $20,000 for extreme fatigue breaches. Mm -hmm. Let's have a talk about, if he was doing that, let's have a talk about what his employer was making him do. Let's have a look yeah. back over his work schedule. Let's have a look at the chain of responsibility going on behind all this. Let's have a talk mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. Once again, it's the low-hanging fruit. Now, I might be on the wrong end of the stick, and if I am John Gilbert, please feel free to give me a ring and let me know.
the, the story with it is to me, this is just overkill, absolute overkill. And if I was that guy, I wouldn't pay the fine. I'd say, lock me up, I'll cut it out, because that's ridiculous. Next. <laughs> You're done? I'm done. <laughs> All right, let's get a bit chirpy. What's coming up in the trucking world, mate? Anything to look forward to? Any, any oh, shows Mate, there's up? lots of happy stuff to look forward to. This is where we get a chance to have a bit of a smile. June, we've got the Alexandra Truck Show. That's always a big event, the Alexander Ute and Rod Show. Um, yeah. I'm not going to be there for that one, unfortunately, and I don't think my old mate Yogi's going to be down there for that one either. Um, there's a truck meet thing happening at Marsden. Check Facebook for that one uh, coming up soon. We've got Where? at Mars, Marsden Park in Sydney. Oh, okay. Yeah, that says just have a look on Facebook. It's called Truck Meet on Facebook, and it's uh, one of these, you know, just a get together. Blokes, it's an informal thing. You get there, and blokes shine up their trucks and go and they have a talk, and there's, you know, just a meet and friendship thing. Meets with some people that share the same pain you do, like $20,000. No, I'll get off that subject. July, War Hope, Yesteryear Truck and Machinery Show, July 8 9 at the War Hope Showground. August, mate, August is the big one. August the 5th, the Casino Truck Show. The first issue of Truck and Life will be out at the Casino Truck Show. You'll be able to buy your hard copy with three dirty great big rig of the month posters in it. Uh, All the stories. Mate, we're so proud of the way that's shaping up. You've got no idea how good this is going to look. I'm going to have to send you one. Great music section in it too, I believe. It's got a great music section in it. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Or it will have when the bloke that's doing the music section sends it to the editor. <laughs> I'll have a word with him. Please. I think yeah. you should have a word with him and give it, tell him to have a red hot go. Yeah. Uh, the Australian Festival of Transport, 24th to the 27th of August in Alice Springs. Now, look, if you haven't been out to Alice Springs, you really should go out there, spend a few days out there. The Hall of Fame inductions are on the Saturday afternoon. There's a there's a dinner which you can you know, spend a few bucks to attend. There's an open day on the Sunday. You can go out there and have a look, see the transport industry, meet some of the drivers that are inducted or to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And this year is going to be really, really, really special. I, I can't make an announcement about it right now because it's at... at, at Hasn't been confirmed 100%, but I believe this year is going to be something really, really special. The 2024 and 2025 celebrations are just going to get bigger and bigger. We had a little bit of interference out there with COVID that sort of stopped things from happening, but uh, it's, it's all winding back up again. It's a great experience. It's a family place. There, there, you, know, you can get a feed there. You can get a meal there. You can see some of these old trucks, and you can interact with them a little bit, some of them. It's an awesome place to be. There's a campground right there that you can camp in. It's all fairly secure. Nothing to worry about out there. And look, I expect that I'll be out there. And uh, I know that, that Craig's going to be out there as well, I think. And there are going to be a few people out there that some drivers are really going to want to meet. It's going to be incredible this, this uh, August 24th to 27th. September, well, the Nat Road Conference, that's going to be huge. Um, Convoy for Kids in October in Sydney, and of course the lights on the, on the Hill Memorial in, uh, in September. November, the Brisbane Convoy for Kids, and of course November also the Illawarra Convoy and the Dane Ballinger Show. That's about what we've got coming up. 
have a bit of a look. There's uh, certainly a few Google truck events coming up. You'll find all those things. Do yourself a favour, as my mate Molly said. Go and get involved in some of these things. Take the kids and show them what, what you do and you know, have a bit of fun. I was going to ask you if you were heading out to the Alice again this year. I, now I know that you are for sure. I'll, I'll give the um, Alice Springs police a call. Just, need, <laughs> just let them need know. To put a, need to put a few, few things in place to yeah. avoid the fiasco of last year and the embarrassments and things when you were there, but it's, uh, it'll be good. Keep me away from Chinese restaurants, you reckon? <laughs> yeah, that and a few <laughs> other things. <laughs> oh, mate, that's awesome. Thought for the week, buddy. Oh, please. It seems that the so-called good old days were when we weren't so good and we weren't so old. <laughs> yeah, I remember the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> oh, I remember the good old days like they were yesterday. I just can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, mate. Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good to catch up. You too. See, See ya. ya. See ya. Have you ever come up behind a caravan wearing a big green sticker that says I'm truck friendly? It's simply telling you that the driver you're following is a part of a growing safety-minded community of caravanners who actually want to help other road users, have a good understanding of safe towing practices and have a UHF radio switched on and ready to communicate. If you too want to be a part of the solution and not the problem, find out more about the great truck-friendly caravan road safety program by visiting their Facebook page or website at www.truckfriendly.com.au. Well, once again, we've got Rod Hanafy with us to have a little bit of a chat about something that's grinding his gears at the moment. I've had a read of the story. I can't believe it myself, mate. They're going to spend $7 million on a bloody pad out at Dubbo somewhere that really doesn't seem to make much sense to me, mate, from the story. No, no, it doesn't seem to make a great deal of sense to anybody that I've spoken to. I, I can understand maybe for people in and out of Newcastle looks to be the, the target group mm. that they're after. Uh, but there's already a set of pads at Jerry's Plains on both sides. Um, there's a set of pads just as you come out of Dubbo, sort of heading towards Sydney. Uh, and where they're looking at putting it is sort of kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, It's near the turn off to Mudgee, so I don't know how that's going to go with traffic and corners and stuff like that. And that amount of money, mate, like, goodness me. Um, million bucks. I, I want to know what we're getting for that money. Well, they're probably going to get toilets. <laughs> they will, yeah, they will. <laughs> they might even have a bidet. Look really? out. But, uh, <laughs> oh, mate, I just can't believe it. We can't even get somewhere safe, really, to pull up in Dubbo with a decent-sized rest area or even some facilities for truck drivers, and yet we're going to spend $7 million on something to uh, to check what we're doing. We can't comply yes. with the law because we've got nowhere to park. Yep. And yet they're going to spend $7 million smashing the hell out of us for not complying. Uh, just made it. Just, uh, do they not have an irony meter in the NHVR office? Well, even then, I, I did actually ask the NHVR initially, and, you know, what about because they've taken over, and they said, no, 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 this is not our money. This is Transport for New South Wales. Oh, right, eh? And yet, funnily enough, at the end of the article, it says, oh, but by the way, it's not ours, it's up to the NHVR now. So whether right. it was already committed to when NHVR took over, and there is some possibility with that, but then I would have thought NHVR may well have reviewed it because mm. they've physically started the work now. They're tearing mm. the road up. Yep. 
So it's still their money. The money still comes from us to them, and they're responsible for it. Yeah. And the, the, the funniest thing in all of what it says about it that, that I've heard is that it's to stop overloaded or dangerous vehicles mm. getting to Dubbo. Okay. Now, you know, does that mean that the, the Maroolan Way Bridge stops overloaded or dangerous vehicles from getting into Sydney or Melbourne? Well, it is, I don't know. Mm. Uh, and then why wouldn't you just put it outside Dubbo? So what, the people that live between the Way Bridge or before the Way Bridge, they don't count? You can be overloaded and dangerous before <laughs> there, but, but not that last 50k to Dubbo? And, you know, I really wonder about that terminology and, and, of course, the minister had to say her part. You know, it's about improving the roads, making them safer. Look, we, we want the roads better. We want them safer. But at the moment, and you've only got to go back to the, the rego increase, mate. Yeah. You know, they, they're saying that we need more money to, to build these better roads for you in the future. But how come we're still not getting the roads from the past fixed? Mm. And yet they're saying, well, you have faith in us because we're going to go and, you know, spend money and give you better roads. Well, I think we've got a long way to go to get there, and I think that we should be getting value now, not in 10 years' time. No, well, that's right. I mean, you've only got to drive around, you know, and hit a few of these damn potholes. My other half was driving me out to Bargo the other day, mate. We hit a pothole on the way, pothole on the way out to Bargo, and I'm surprised we've still got steering left in the car. You know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and some of the things, it, it, it does take a nudge occasionally, mate. So a little while ago, I went to the Territory and mm. I came back mm. and one of our blokes actually warned us. He said, now, when you get up near, as soon as you cross the border, there's some reduced speed signs and they're only little ones, but when you see them, yep. they really mean it. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and he was dead right. And like some of them at 10 kilometres an hour was too fast. Yeah. Uh, and when I came home, I wrote a letter to the Northern Territory Department of Transport and I said, look, um, you know, I'm aware that these failures, and they were major failures, yeah. have been there for months since the flooding. And I don't know whether the excuse is that they're too far away from Darwin or you didn't know, but somebody's obviously put the signs up, and whoever put the signs up probably saved somebody's life, mate, because I don't yeah. think it was proper territory signs. Some of them were handwritten. Yeah, right. And, and I said, how can you not do anything at all if you know about them, and if you don't, then why don't you? And, mate, the next trip up there last week, here they are out, they're patching all the holes up, and I actually called the bloke up because they had road crews working on 40, and he saw, you know, doing these potholes here, mate. I said, good on you, mate. I said, oh, I did ring and put in a complaint. And he said, yeah, well done, mate. He said, that's why we're out here. Yeah, right. So some of the time, whilst we all sit back and think they should know, how do they know? Well, because they don't drive on the roads. That's obvious by the way they, they work on them and the money that they waste. Mm. And there's, a, there's the bigger argument again, of course, mate, that the money that goes out for funding, and we all know that at the end of the financial year, if you don't spend the money you were given last year, yep, then you don't, you get, don't it get it next year. Yep, yep. So they hang on to it in case they need it. Then at the last minute they're out doing stuff and spending it without getting good value because if they don't, they don't get it next year. And, and that, that system's flawed from the start. Yeah, well, I said for a long time, as have you and several others, that the way we fund our roads and the way we build them and the way we do anything really is pretty much broken. And we need to really have a sort of a, a root and branch look at things and do some things that make common sense. I mean, you've only got to have a look at the condition of some of the things that we're expected to deal with to know that something's not right, don't you? 
You do, and then there, there's two other sides to it, mate. So I'm I'm made aware from one of our callers tonight, Jeff, last week, that um, there is a new set of rules coming out for roadworks. Right. Now, they, they said that they were going to launch a roadworks committee, which I applied to be a member of, and they said that these will be ironclad rules. Now, this bloke's a young bloke, and he said, you know, they're obviously written with the best of intent, mm. but someone writing them sitting in Sydney has no idea how that's going to work when they're around a blind corner over a hill and, and you know, in a loop mm. in the middle of, of western New South Wales. And, and they've been told you will not be allowed to modify, change or make any, any change at all to these plans. Yeah. Now, the intent is to keep them safe. And, and mate, we don't want road workers getting hurt. We want them out there fixing the roads because yeah. without them, our roads are going to fall apart even worse. Yeah. But we also want a fair go. Now, the other day I left Dubbo, and you know where they have the escort vehicle driving you through the roadworks? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I, I understand if it's long or dangerous or, you know, they've had a bit of trouble with speeding, okay, they're, they're trying to manage it, got no problem with that. Yep. But there was a piece of roadworks north of Dubbo the other day, and the escort vehicle was travelling 150 metres each way. Excellent. So by the time Excellent. he turned around and, and and got it into first gear, he was at the other end turned around. They could see one another. They could wave to one another. And yet we're paying someone to drive an escort vehicle yeah. in front of three vehicles at a time, 150 metres. Yeah, well. Now, if you can justify that, mate, you're a better man than me. No, I, I wouldn't even begin to try. It doesn't make any sense at all. No, no, and then they leave the roadworks up at night. So there's a section there you come back through Cunnamulla and they've got 60 kilometres an hour for kilometre after kilometre yeah. and they've graded the shoulder. Yeah. So it's actually safer now because you can see that the shoulder is there and you can see the angle of it and you can see what's on it. Yeah. There's no signs. It's all lined and everything. Yeah. But as soon as you get down to the next part, which looks exactly the same as the part you've just supposedly travel that for 60 kilometres an hour, yeah. it's exactly the bloody same. There's no change. Then it goes up to 100 kilometres an hour, and you think, okay, these blokes you know, got the the, um, uh, the camera, the mm. hidden camera, you know, the laughter's on you sort of thing, watching one bloke go through one bit at 100 and one bit at 60 and then thinking, what's going on here? Well, the, the, the frustration with that is that that's sort of crying wolf. You know, remember the boy who cried wolf? Yep. This is the this is what happens. So we we get out here and we we get driving along, and I I plead guilty. I've done it myself, officer. You know, you're driving along and you and you slow down to the forty or sixty or whatever it is they want you to slow down to, and two or three frustrated car drivers will zip past you. Yep. And you sort of think, well, all right, I'll be a professional. I'll sit here and do the right thing. And after about four or five kilometres, you're starting to get a bit jack of it, particularly if you've seen nothing. Yep. And then. You come up to the end of roadwork signs and nothing's happened and the cars are all long gone and you're sitting there, mate, we're working to a logbook, so we've just wasted X amount of time that we could have been yep. tooling along. Yep. And the very next time you come across that set of roadworks at 2 o'clock in the morning, you go stuff it and you just leave the cruise control set and, you know, there's the copper waiting at the end and the... And the headline is, you know, truck driver caught doing 100 in a 60k zone. Yes. You know, and I am just about sick of it. It's just not right. It's not fair. 
we and that's why I tried to get on that committee to at least have a voice. Mm. Oh no, the committee's full now. I guarantee you, there won't be any truck drivers on there. No, never is. And 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 that's the thing, mate. We we simply don't get heard enough. Yeah. And again, it's not up to the transport for New South Wales to ring me and say, "Hey, Rod, we want to build a waybridge. What do you think of that?" Yeah. But a little bit of you know, this is what we're planning. Mm. Is there anything that we need to put in there? You know, can we at least talk to you about it before it's committed and done mm. rather than come out like this and say, well, it's all going there. And, and look, we're going to hold them to account. You and me and big rigs and everybody else yeah. are going to say, how do you justify this money when specifically? That was what I was told. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Well, there's no extra money where we built the overtaking lanes. The fact that um, and look, I'll be straight up with you, Mike. I, I rang about one particular one. It's one yeah. in the Pilliga. Yeah. And I mate finally rings me back after my complaint. I said uh, that parking bay. Said you, you put the green reflectors up, and he said that wasn't a uh, a proper bay. It didn't have the right signage. I said, hang on, hang on, hang on. I said, mate, that's been marked with your sign, stopping bay. Yeah. For the last twenty five years. Yep. And I've slept in that rest area quite a number of times. It's the one just before the dipper. Yeah. And I said, there's nothing else sort of in that section there. Mm. And you're accusing me of signing it and it not being compliant when you did it. And <laughs> now you're happy to take the thing out. Yeah. But you're not going to replace it. It's unreal. Uh, it? Because there's no funding to replace them. Well, there is actually. There's a few million dollars. <laughs> yeah, well, we could just cut back one set of the office chairs and we'll be right. Oh, mate, I don't know. You sleep in the Pilliga, do you? Yeah. Mate, I tell yeah you. Not, not, not at Turley Creek. I listen to Slim's song too. Oh, I don't sleep at Turley Creek. And that's at the bottom of the hill, mate. I hate stopping at the bottom of hills. Oh, mate. And, and look, I'll tell you what, while we're on it, I, I've just written to, oh, Jesus, Infrastructure Australia, the Institute of Engineers, Roads Australia, uh, Austroads, a couple of others. Yeah. And I've said... I have a problem with the way they do roadworks now. Yeah. Now you listen to this, and I'm, I'm, I imagine that you will back me up. Okay, and I'm this, waiting. Go, with go back about five years. I was on the way to Perth. Yep. And they've gone out and they've graded all the shoulders. Right. Oh, and it looks beautiful. You know, it's tidy and there's, there's nowhere for roofs to hide. But every single place where there was a shoulder that we could pull up, and it didn't matter whether you wanted to pee mm. or you did a tire or you hit a ruin, you wanted to check for damage, or God forbid that you're actually getting a bit tired and you needed to pull up for five minutes and kick the tyres and walk around the truck so you could make it to the next registered and signed formal parking bay 100 kilometres away. Mm. And every single place on a crest of a hill where we used to have enough shoulder, you could just pull up, you know, you're off the road, you put the hazards on, you roll up to it, you roll out of it, you can see when you go in and go out. Yep. Every one of those was taken away. They did the same at Roma, yeah. and I rang them there. They've just done the same heading up towards Barclay Homestead on the Barclay Highway. They've gone and graded it all, mm. and every single bit of shoulder, and even where the crests were, so you've got solid ground on the top of the hill. The water obviously runs away, so mm. it's not at the bottom where you're going to pull in and get bogged in your truck and in trouble. Mm. But they go and cut the shoulder a metre below the road, so you can't even pull up there either. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, mate. I, I can't find I can't find a valid reason, and I've asked them why are you doing this, and obviously none of them drive. Yeah. Because they've never had to pull up on a shoulder anywhere. 
Well, I've often wondered about all this sort of thing. I mean, look at the the way some of this stuff gets cited. I mean, does someone intentionally say, oh, geez, well, that'll make it a bit hard for them to pull away from there, make it a bit slower, make them take a bit longer, make them pull out into a 110k zone? Yep. Out of Maroolan, for example, going uphill. Yep. You know, it just it beggars belief that some of this stuff happens. I think that somewhere along the line, some of these road managers have appointed people to work at exactly what happens and how much we can do to piss truck drivers off. <laughs> or the other side of it. Now, the next time you travel up the Pacific Highway, mate, yeah. look at the stopping bays, yes. right? Yes. Now, when they first opened up that section of the, the Pacific, the, the bottom section, I complained because every one of those stopping bays had great big long black sets of skid marks. They did. Because there was no warning sign. That's right. So then they went out and they put up warning signs. But you have a look at them now, how many of them, and I don't know whether the bloke's deliberately gone out to be stupid because then he'd be held accountable. Mm. I think he's sitting in Sydney with a pin and a map, <laughs> and he's just gone, uh, let's put one there. Yeah. So, of course, they don't go and look at the topography. Yeah. They don't go and look at the traffic flow or the line of sight. Yes. And, of course, Fred Nurk turns up with his work crew and he's been told to build a, a stopping bay exactly right there where the, the dot is. Yeah. So he goes and builds it. And then, of course, he's done his job. And he drives off and you leave, as you said, a stopping bay that's round a corner mm. so that when you are pulling out in your fully loaded truck because there was nowhere else for you to stop except for a stopping bay, like there's no proper rest area or a site actually off the road, you're Why? now parking on the shoulder. Why would we ever want that? Anyway, go oh, exactly, think. exactly. Yeah. Well, what, do you, what do you think this is, Mike? <laughs> Sorry. And then, of course, so what they're doing is they're pulling out at two kilometres an hour in a fully loaded B-double on a slight incline into 100 kilometres an hour traffic blind. What could possibly go wrong? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yet, you know, I say to them, who controls stopping bait? I don't know. Well, who put... No, I don't know. Yeah. Um, who Don't know about that either. Yeah. Well... Somebody has to be held accountable, and if you look at all the money they've spent on those stopping bays, yeah. for every three of them, we could have had a decent rest area that actually took you two metres off the roadway instead of you stepping out into the middle of 100 kilometres an hour traffic when you want to check a tyre. No, I can't do that, mate. doesn't make any sense. There's no problem. Yes. Well, Mike, now that you've got time, I'm expecting you to get behind this because, you know, I, I came home and I wrote to the Northern Territory Government, I wrote to New South Wales... I sent a list of bridge repairs. Oh, and had a go at Queensland about their big signs that now blind you. There's another one. They put up all these new speed cameras coming out of Brisbane on the Cunningham Highway. Yeah. They put up large two-metre by three-metre signs that directly aim at you. Yeah. So you come out there on round the corner on high beam and you're blinded by your own lights because they're not complying with the law. Mm. And my understanding, I've, I've actually asked them to confirm this. And, of course, they're hedging really badly at the moment because they want to know which sign and where it is and what colour it is and who put it there. And I just said, well, everyone in Queensland, how about we start with that? Yeah. And the law is they're supposed to be five degrees offset from oncoming traffic. To reflect the light away. So the light reflects away from you instead of back at you. And yet they've gone and put up a road safety initiative <laughs> to catch someone that might speed two kilometres over the limit going up and down these hills. So they're not yeah. going to catch any trucks. And and yet they've created a hazard that could kill someone. And, and yet we're not allowed to blink or, you know, to have five minutes to get to a decent bloody toilet. Yeah. Oh, mate, there's just so much that we could talk about. Hey, uh, while I've got you... 
$20,000 fine for a couple of logbook entries, mate. Oh, I missed that one. Did you? You know, they have a bit of a read. They've taken two bites of the cherry on this poor bloke. Right. Um, you know, failing to fill out his logbook and failing to take the brakes use required. So it's only one offence. It's two rolled into one, 20000 Yes. Bucks. Have a read and acquaint yourself. It's on the news earlier on in the show. Yeah, um, righto. The, uh, the other one that I wanted to have a quick word with you about was the uh, overheight sensors going into these tunnels, mate, and the knee-jerk reaction that we talked about in the news earlier on from Business Sydney saying that we should let these big trucks you know, go any other way but through the tunnels, mate. We don't want them coming through the tunnels anymore. Well, I'm sure that some poor bugger that's paying $1,000 a day going through North Connect will be more than happy to go back out on the road now instead yeah. of paying the toll. Yeah. But, look, you know, I don't do that much overheight. I've got taut liners and they're 4.3. I've done a little bit here and there. Uh, you measure it before you go. The sign's accurate. Mm. I had a fellow ring me only this morning, actually, about that comment where they found 120 people at Maroolan that didn't have logbooks. Yeah. Now, I, I would like the truth, Mike. So would I. Were there, you know, 50 of them were local runners, so yeah. they don't have to have logbooks. Were there 50 of them in, in two-ton diners that don't have to have logbooks? Mm. Instead of just saying, well, you know, we found 120 blokes without logbooks. I find that very hard to imagine so in this I. day. So the I. bridge is there. It's not like they, they snuck in last night and built it and opened it when nobody knew. Mm. So, you know, it's not like our blokes are that silly that they're going to drive around without one all the time. Yes, you might have run out. But to go and put a thing out like that, and, and say, you know, we're all at fault. And again, what's the public going to believe? Yeah, no, oh, we're... well, we're all running around doing the wrong thing. And, and yet they, they put it out in that way that justifies what they said. Oh, we're going to have another big blitz now mm. to see if we can find some more. But they won't tell you the truth. Mm. And old mate said there was another one about a fine and a penalty. Uh, I had a bloke ring me up yesterday about one where, where a cop has pulled him up and hassled him over tyres that weren't technically illegal. Right. Yes, they were due, and he was no, 30 kilometres from his own depot going back there. No, rode him up, defected him for the tyres. Well, when, when they weren't defective? Yep. Unreal. He's already taken – he's gone to the tyre bay and said, what do you think of this, mate? He said, well, look, it's down, but it's still technically legal. Yeah. It's not like the bloke was leaving the depot to go to Darwin. Yeah. He's only 30k back from his depot, haven't come back from there. So it was probably all right when he left and – they do wear out tyres, funny that. Funny that, yeah. But but this bloke's gone right through him to, oh, some ped oh, He had a um, a hand, uh, a, a five-litre thing of washing um, your hand detergent mm. sitting behind the tank. Right. Now, he's knocked him off for an insecure load. Oh, blokes do that all the time. They stick their gumboots down there. They'll stuff a broom under the straps. They'll, you know... Uh, uh, yep. And the thing's done, you know, yeah. like a million kilometres. It's never moved in a million K. Yeah. And a, a, maybe a warning or, mate, I don't think that's safe. You know, can you at least put a hockey strap on it for me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no worries, mate. I can do that. But no, no, let's write you up for an insecure load Yeah. so that we can chalk up another penalty, another fine. And, and they wonder why we get a little bit cranky. Yeah. Well, I think that there's something got to change. Uh, you never know, mate. It might happen one day. I'm not going to hold my breath, though. I don't know about you. No, you'll probably go blue by then. All right. Well, there's <laughs> there's so much more that we could talk about. It's great to have you on the show, mate. I know that you've got work to do, and uh, we will talk 
The only way to fix any of this, though, is if you go and join an organisation. I don't care if it's the NRFA, which I'm a member of and you're the president of. At least go and join an organisation so you can have your say. What do you reckon? That's one. The second one is, yes, if you see a hazard, ring the road authority. The numbers are up there. Yep. You know, 13, 17, 00 in New South Wales, because some bloke sitting in the, the 27th floor in Sydney is not going to know about it. Yep. But you do it nicely. I'm a driver. I believe this is a safety hazard. It's 27 kilometres east of Merry War, and, and it's really dangerous, and I'd like you to have a look at it. Yep. And if five blokes ring up over a week, they're going to say, Jesus, maybe we better go and have a look at this. You know, that this, this is more than one bloke. Yep. And the other thing is, mate, I had a lovely uh, rissoles and salad and chips meal at Fisher Park. So if you're going up the gap, stop in there and buy a feed. <laughs> Why not? Right, on, mate. Take care of yourself. We'll see you about, eh? Good on you, mate. All the best. Safe travelling, Mike. Thanks, mate. Australia, something has really got on the goat. <coughs> vegetables. Not the heroic vegetables that are the cornerstone of Aussie life, like beetroot and tomato sauce. Now, with the sticky, unpleasant vegetable, has become endemic in the cities of our great nation. The couch potato. Those who work from home in their pyjamas or active wear. That's never seen activity. Those who have their meals delivered by a student on a scooter rather than lifting a frying pan. Those who shop online rather than courageously struggling to carry an awkward pile of purchases back to their car without a carrier bag. Those who would rather listen to a book than read a book. You know who you are. Fortunately, there's still hope for our great nation. The men and women of our country communities who work on the land, not in the lounge. Those who are up before the sun and don't stop before dark. Those who put the food on the table that the kid in the scooter delivers. So if you're watching this on the couch, it's time to get off your rump. Swap your social feed for a real feed. Meet up, fire up and load up. And chow down on some of the finest protein in the paddock. So beef up Australia, you know it makes sense. I'm Sam Kekovich. Hi there. I've just finished looking through a uh, lovely collection of photos that uh, came up on um, Facebook uh, from Gary Richards about the uh, all the Macs at the uh, Heritage Truck Show at Rock Lee uh, this weekend in conjunction with the Brisbane Truck Show. As I said in last week's podcast, I'd love to have been down there, but uh, a few other uh, personal issues have intervened this year and uh, I'll just hope to be able to make to the next one. But anyway, um, looking at all those beautiful Max and Gary's photos reminded me of uh, how I've been a Mac lover all my uh, all my life, ever since I was able to work out what a Mac truck was. My grandfather had a ex-army NR that he repowered with a Rolls-Royce. I've talked about it before. Now belongs to Richard Hollis in Warhope and goes around in the Warhope Yesteryear show and a few other shows around the place. It's even been out to Alice Springs, which is uh, quite amazing. Anyway, uh, my love affair with Mack Trucks is, uh, will, it'll probably end when I end my life, but uh, I also have uh, a, another favourite brand of truck, in particular one set of models, and that's Kenworth. I like the brute models from the C500 onwards. I uh, love those C500s of RTAs and uh, the old black one of uh, Andy Suiters and uh, old Bulletproof, those trucks, and uh, 
I've got a theory about trucks, and uh, it took me a lot of years to realise having a light tear truck for the sake of payload was a good idea in one sense, but not another, because uh, they get hammered to death on these goat tracks that uh, I've tended to use over the years, because I uh, never just stayed on the highways for lots of reasons, mainly because there was more money in getting off them. Anyway, uh, I love the uh, the Brute model Kenworths from the C500 onwards up till the the 509s these days and this story is about one of them I was on my way from where I live in Cardville to my son's place in Toowoomba here a few weeks ago and uh, I pulled up at a rest area just east of Roma to uh, have a bit of a break and um, beautiful 509 with a set of uh, Canon beef bus trailers behind it uh, a B triple set B triples always interest me because that's what I operated for the last six or seven years of my life, and uh, um, there was a lot to it. Anyway, uh, I thought, wow, this is an outfit. I like this. So uh, he set sail, and I was there for a little while, and I thought, oh, I wonder where I'll catch up to this bloke. Well, anyway, I caught up to him um, uh, just before Wallambilla, and there was probably four or five cars, cars and utes ahead of me between us and him. And uh, out of Wallambilla, he got mobile, and I thought, man, this bloke's having a go. And uh, the further we went, the more impressed I got. Um, he was uh, whipping it up to ride on 100 k's an hour, and OK, I know the speed limit's 90 k's an hour for road trains on the Warrigo, but that's an interesting uh, byline to it all anyway because when I was a B-triple, B-triples only needed a long vehicle sign on the back, nothing on the front, and they could do 100 k's an hour just like a B-double. These days they need road train signs either end and they're restricted to 90 k's an hour, which is another bit of bureaucratic wangling that's gone on for whatever reason, probably because the uh, road train operators complained that they couldn't do 100 too. But anyway, this is a bit about that. Anyway, I sat in behind the, the half a dozen vehicles behind the B triple and, uh, over, you know, when he came to a couple of rises, but he was sitting on 100 and, and doing it nicely, sitting beautifully on the road. And um, as he came to a couple of rises, the uh, the cars behind him went around, but they didn't do anything silly. They just waited for their opportunity, and away they went. Well, it was sort of uh, east of Yilbar by the time I was the only vehicle left behind, and uh, this bloke, he was a master. I was just impressed. I, I, I love watching good drivers in action, whether they're driving V8 supercars, rigid tray bodies or tilt trays or anything you like. And this bloke and this B-triple, I... Uh, I just I was full of admiration for him, and but what I was more admiring of, he had a full load of big Brahmin cows on, cows and bullocks I suppose. They were big, all right, because the ones on the bottom deck were battling not to bump their head on the floor above them. And these Cannon beef bus trailers, they were just sitting there. They were not budging. They were handling as good as my B triple set of fridge fans did after I put two ninety fives on the on the B trailer because it used to pick up the edges on some of those narrow gutted bits out in the barrier highway and the, across uh, the other side of Port Augusta and all that. And um, anyway, um, but this, these were just sitting there, sitting there than any better than any set of trailers I'd ever seen. And I guessed, and I think I'm probably pretty right, he obviously had the base air system in these trailers. And anyone who doesn't know about base air needs to have a look at it if they're working right up on their weights as as uh, the cow taxis and all those blokes do. They just sat there. They were just impressive. You couldn't pick an inch between them when you looked up the side and things like that. But the interesting part was 
Oh, mate, sitting on 100. And from east of Yilbar to Miles, I saw no reason to overtake him because when he did slow down to below about 85 k's an hour, it was double unbroken lines anyway. And, uh, you know, being uh, the length he was, um, there weren't any safe opportunities anyway. But it didn't bother me. I thought, how good is this? This bloke's having a go. No one's done anything stupid. There's been no near misses with cars overtaking him in stupid places or for stupid reasons. And I got thinking and I thought, well, you know, technically, according to the bureaucracy and according to Queensland Transport or whoever you want to talk to, this man's breaking the law. He's doing 100 kilometres an hour in a B triple. Heavens to Betsy, like, for goodness sake, is the world going to come to an end or how many thousands of people have died because of this? Well, I hate to tell you, but I don't think any have, because the people that die overtaken road trains are the people that get sick and behind, get sick of sitting behind them at 90 k's an hour and do stupid things when they run out of patience. You've only got to look at the accident statistics between Port Augusta and, and um, Adelaide and even on the Warrego Highway itself uh, and lots of other places out around um, between um, Cobar and, and, and the South Australian border on the Barrier Highway. There's lots of stupid stuff goes on. I'm, I'm, I'm a wit- I've been a witness to it most of my life. It used to annoy the dickens out of me when I'd get to the, the Queensland border and I had to only do 90, well, I could legally only do 90 from there to Port Augusta when I was on the way to Perth. I used to give it a bit of a go, and, and uh, but by the time I got to Port Augusta, I was extra fatigued from looking over my shoulder, wondering whether I was going to get caught or not. And I did a couple of times. And um, I remember one occasion where Geoffrey from Yunter wheeled me for doing 97 between um, Yunter and Manor Hill, and uh, oh, he gave me the biggest lecture about how dangerous it was and everything else. And I said, well, Geoffrey, you better just write the ticket out, mate. I said, because uh, you wouldn't even be talking to me about this between uh, um, the tanks and uh, Sojourner or Border Village. Oh, he said, what's that mean? I said, well, I don't know that there's any difference in the quality of the roads in either direction. But he was doing his job and he had the pen and the piece of paper and uh, I just sent the cheque. But anyway, the point is, I I just don't fully understand why road trains are limited to 90 kilometres an hour when there's butte things available like base air systems and um, I had a full BPW system in my trailers and uh, they never behaved any differently at 100 kilometres an hour to what they did at 90, so... uh, Maybe some of the back in the old days with all the old spring dollies and the old spring trailers with worn out suspensions and radius rods and bushes and all that sort of stuff, there was there was an issue. But uh, I don't don't think it exists today with modern gear. And uh, I really think that uh, along with all the other things that are going on in the industry and all the other things that need looking at, like how far apart should rest areas be and all that sort of thing, uh, I really think there's a good case for. Uh, road trains being able to do 100 k's an hour. Um, When I first started driving trucks, Queensland was the only state in Australia where trucks and cars could do the same speed. And uh, I think it's time we got that rule back. Thanks for listening. Catch you later. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On The Road podcasts every week. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. This week's music guest returns with another great original track. It's James Keith with Say I Do. 
We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. 
There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On the Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. Mm-hmm.